0: All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 tonight, find your place and stand with me if you would. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and so when you find it, we'll just jump right in tonight and pick up where we left off last Sunday morning. And we covered the end of chapter 6 and then into chapter 9. Last week was one of my more encouraging messages I've ever preached. And uh, Sonny, you're going to die. And the guys just saying it, they just saying it in a more positive way. They said, I am bound for the promised land, which means they're going to die. That's what they're saying. (laughs) And uh, Solomon says in the beginning of chapter 9, there's one event that happens to all, meaning to the righteous and to the wicked and everyone in between. We're all going to die. And so that's been his emphasis, and he's wrestled with that thought. And so I'm going to read uh, in verse 11 through the end of chapter 9, and we're going to back up, recover what we covered last week, and then we'll get into a few thoughts this evening. So he says, I returned, verse 11, and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. You'd think it would be, but it defies expectation sometimes. Sometimes the fastest runners don't win. And he says, uh, the race is not to the swift, the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. He said, but time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in a snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city, and few men within it, and there came a great king against it, and besieged it, and built great bulwarks against it. And now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. And then said I, Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. His words are not heard. The words of the wise men are heard in quiet, more than the cry of him that ruleth among few fools. He said, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for uh, your word and for a great day together today. Uh, Lord, thank you for the promise of heaven and the hope that we will be with you one day there. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. This is your word. And so in ways appropriate, help it to find application in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated tonight. Solomon was considering... In chapter 9, and, and throughout the entire book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, chapter 9, all throughout, God's involvement in life. And he couldn't understand God, couldn't make sense of the way that God, God worked. Um, but then he gets into looking at death. In chapter 9, the one event that we all come to, and he says, Past the grave, all of a sudden everything began to make sense. He said, In life, sometimes the wicked aren't treated like they're wicked, bad guys have good things happen to them. People that act in bad ways, sometimes their behavior, is unrelated to the blessings that are bestowed upon them. And conversely, the opposite is also true. We think sometimes, well, good things should happen to good people, and sometimes good, righteous, just people don't always have good ha- things happen to them. And I says, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't like this. I've wrestled with this. I keep wrestling with it. I keep coming back to it. And then he said, but one event happens to them all, and there's a the day when we die, and he visits the grave, and he says, wow, past the grave, though, all of a sudden, it's a big deal how you live life. And, and he says there's a seismic difference between how you lived on this earth. Where either you lived in a good and righteous way, a, a, a wicked way, or you lived in a good and righteous way. It's a big difference once we die. And he says in glory, all of those things are revealed and those choices are made, are made, uh, made known in heaven and they matter forever. And we said this last week, we get to choose where we spend eternity but we also get to choose how we spend eternity. And both of those decisions are ours to make. And so we get to verse 11, and, and there's this distinct transition in the text. And Solomon says these words in verse 11. He says, I returned. And so well, where had he been? Where had Solomon gone? Well, if you'll remember in the beginning of the book, and this would have been months ago when we preached this, but he said he was looking at life under the sun. He, he was looking at life this side of the grave. He was looking at life without God's perspective or an eternal view in mind. And, but he has been working and transitioning his mind and his focus and his thoughts into eternity, into God's perspective, into seeing things from the Lord's way. And so when he says, I returned, it wasn't that he physically returned anywhere. He's saying, in my thinking, in my focus, in the way that I'm processing life, he says, I returned, and he said again this phrase, and we see it once more later in the book, and he said, and I saw under the sun. He had been spending time now above the sun, thinking about things from God's perspective. But he says, under the sun, in this life, there's something called chance. He uses the word chance, and he says it happens to everyone. It doesn't matter how bad you are, and it doesn't matter how good you are. Chance happens to everybody. What is chance? Well, the definition is simply an event that happens. It falls out or takes place without being contrived, intended, expected, or foreseen. Didn't see it coming, didn't plan on it, whether that's good or bad. It's just chance, it just happened. It's the effect of an unknown cause or the unusual or unexpected effect of a known cause. It's an accident, casualty, or fortuitous event. It's chance. Uh, Some might use the word luck. And so in order to help us understand this concept, he sets up a few examples for us, and these are his examples. And he says, The race is not always won by those who are the fastest runners. So you you take a race and you line all these guys up and you say, well, who's the fastest runner in this group? And we all know, based on history, based on timing, based on what we've seen in the past, this guy right here is the fastest. We would look at it and say, well, this football team should win. But the best football team doesn't always win. Because of chance. Or pass interference, whatever you want to call it. You, you can fill in the blank, all right? Because of chance. The race is not always to the swift. And he says, nor the battle to the strong. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. You know, I see this in my boys' a martial arts gym all the time, in and jiu-jitsu, and, and here's these guys, they line up, and one's bigger and stronger, but he doesn't always win. The strongest adult Bible class doesn't always win at tug of war, right? The list goes on. This is my sermon. I get to write it the way I want to. (laughs) Then he gets a little more serious. He says, neither yet bread to the wise. So wise people sometimes go hungry. Wise people sometimes have needs in their life that go unmet. Good people who do everything right sometimes don't have enough money to make ends meet. Good people can go without, not because they're not wise, not because they haven't stewarded things appropriately, but because they are lacking in opportunity. He gives another example nor yet riches to men of understanding. The educated of this world do not always lead successful lives. And and, and they may work hard, and they've done everything in life to get ahead, and they still can't get ahead. He says they may have worked really hard to take an advantage in life, but in the end, they have no advantage. He says, nor yet favor to men of skill, skillful men those who have honed their, 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 their area of expertise or skillful woman, they're not necessarily wealth, wealthy. And we look at that and we'll say, if we were to line everybody up and distribute wealth, we'd say, well, this guy's the most skillful. He gets the most wealth. And Solomon says, that's not how life works. It's not how God has chosen to work. The skillful should be wealthy, but too often they are not for the simple reason that they have not had the chance to be. They've not been given the opportunity. So what does lead to prosperity? Well sometimes good just comes to those who are in the right place, at the right time, and surrounded by the right people. Some people are genuinely more lucky, have more chance than other people. Now that would be true. Uh, economically in this room tonight, but let's not compare each other to one another. Let's compare ourselves to people in a third world country and think about that for for, for a moment. Think about that there are people in this world who don't have shoes on and don't know where their next meal is coming from. And we do. And what gave you the opportunity to have those things? What made you born in America in 2023 to be able to live in, in this wealthy society, the most wealthy in the history of the world? chance, chance did. And there's a lesson here that we're wise to consider. None of us should get too arrogant in our thinking, thinking that, well, I worked so hard, and I made my place in this world. And see, we tend to think that we deserve all that we have. And boy, we hold tightly to it, and we hold proudly to it. There's a rich man in Luke chapter 12. He thought his wisdom... And his ingenuity and his ability to make money made him all that. And he deserved it. And he got to decide what to do with it. And instead of considering others, he said, I'm just going to build another barn. I'm I'm going to have more toys in life, more possessions. And he thought he could get richer indefinitely. But he couldn't control his body. He couldn't control his heart. And he couldn't control the finger of God. And that that very night, God would call his soul into account. For the children of Israel, God had done so much. He didn't just dump blessings in their laps. They, they still had to work hard for it. They still had to follow him. Yes, they had, there was some sweat equity involved in his blessings, but ultimately, they were his chosen people because he decided to make them that. They were his people because he just wanted to be, make them his people, and he decided he would bless them. But God also knew the tendency of their hearts that like ours, they would forget where good come, came from. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he offers this stern warning. And if you want to turn there, you can. If you want to listen, listen carefully. He says, verse 11, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full. i got a full belly. I feel good about it and has built goodly houses, and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, well then thy heart be lifted up. I've worked hard. I deserve this. This is what I've earned. And he says, and you forget the Lord your God which brought thee forth, verse 15, who led thee, who brought thee, verse 16, who fed thee. And say in thine heart, verse 17, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. And there is no nation that defines more than ours. My power and mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. Verse 18, he says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it's he that gave thee power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore by the fathers as it is this day. See, good sometimes comes to people who did nothing to deserve it. I mean, you look at the guy and you think, how did he get so lucky? And bad sometimes comes to people who don't deserve bad to happen to them. Like you, I've had my fair share of accidents. I remember one morning I was driving to work here and I was on 76th Street in Owasso. It's early in the morning, sun was rising. And I was stopped at a stoplight and I just admiring the beautiful sun. Not that I'm an undeserving person of bad things happening to me, but in that moment, in my heart, I am worshiping the Lord. I'm thinking about his goodness. I'm watching the sunrise. And out of nowhere, you know, a truck with some teenagers in it plows into my rear end and my car plows in the car in front of me and I am compressed in this tiny little Honda Civic you know, between two, two vehicles and, and, and by God's grace they were going slow enough that I didn't suffer any health problems but I could have you know, my day was changed in a dramatic way and it happened in a moment why? because of chance a, another few seconds I wouldn't have been there Two few seconds later, and I wouldn't have been there. I was just in that place at that time, and you would have your stories just like that. And so in verse 12, he says, look there with me, for man also knoweth not his time. As the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. Sometimes the reason that one fish is caught over another, is he was in the wrong place in the pond at the wrong moment in time. And he grabbed that lure, he gone. That's what he's saying. He says sometimes the difference between when one bird is killed and another is simply because that day, the hunters were hunting where he was hunting. A day sooner or later and he wouldn't be a trophy hanging on some guy's office wall. That's what he's saying. Fishes that are taking an evil net, birds that are caught in the snare. You can't predict for yourself when hard times might come. And sometimes you're in the position of the fish. And sometimes you're in the position of the bird. And you, you will never, ever know it. You can't predict it. You can't plan for it. It just happens. And Solomon is so raw in his thinking about this idea of chance that drives us crazy. It makes us uncomfortable. And we have to constantly remember before we assign something that happens in our life to, well, that's just God's will or that's some evil thing, that a lot of times things that happen to us that are unexpected are this idea of chance. It happens to us. Sin brought chance into the world. Chance is not how God designed things to run and operate. It's part of the curse. And Solomon works hard throughout the book of Ecclesiastes to reduce our expectations of this life. The book of Proverbs emphasizes how life would go if everyone acted the way they were supposed to act. If everyone reacts fairly and everyone acts justly and everyone acts righteously, and things, if, if this happens and this happens, and this happens and this happens, and that's what the book of Proverbs is about, but Ecclesiastes is a totally different take. He explains what usually happens in our sinful and imperfect world when we do A, but B doesn't happen. Because life's not always fair, and chance is part of our reality. And you've seen the memes, perhaps, the pictures of how someone imagines something to be, and then how it actually is? Okay, how things could actually be is Proverbs. How things actually are sometimes is Ecclesiastes. Good and bad happen to people often inexplicably. Tragedy and accidents aren't planned. They happen suddenly, and they interrupt our worlds. and sometimes they change everything, and we cry out, it's not fair. And why me? That's exactly what Solomon is saying. It's not fair. He says, I went back to life under the sun. He said, I, 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 went, I went back to that place, and from this perspective, I looked at how God deals, and I looked at this idea of chance, and how the strong are supposed to win, and the fastest are supposed to, to win, and he says, and it's not that way, and it's not fair, and I don't like it. And I think this is a sub-thought tonight, but we need to be humble in our own lives because tragedy can strike at any time. And we need to have faith in God's sovereignty and accept Him for who He is. But here's the question presented from the text. If chance happens to the good and chance happens to the bad, what, if any, is there any advantage in life? Like, what's the advantage? Like, what should I be doing then? Like, if it's just a matter of chance well, then what should I be doing? If you work hard and you get unlucky, or if you don't work hard and get lucky, well, then what's the point of working hard? And to answer the question, is there any advantage in life, Solomon's saying, yeah, there is. Yes, there is an advantage. There is one advantage in life that's worth working hard for and pursuing. He says the biggest advantage in life isn't wealth. And yet throughout the book, he recognizes the value of wealth. Like it's an advantage. And he makes no bones about it. It is. But it's not the biggest advantage. He says it's not health and strength, though those things too are a big advantage. And they genuinely are in life. He says the biggest advantage in life is wisdom. And so we get to verse 13 and Solomon says, this wisdom have I seen also under the sun. And he said, it seemed, and he uses this word to describe what he sees. It seemed great unto me. Powerful, wealthy man. And he says, and I observed this wisdom, this scenario. And so we better pay attention because he's about to describe something to us that he himself viewed and said, this is great. There was a small city, he said. And he begins to tell the story about this small city. And historians and commentators are divided whether or not this is an actual real story. Most believe it actually happened and that he would have either heard about this or observed this actually take place. And so here's a small city. There's just a few people who live there. Not far from the small city was a bully king. And he's, he's, he's great, he's powerful, and he decides he wants that small city This is a no-brainer for him. He has a powerful army that he amasses. He has the bulwarks. He has the ability to take out this little city. He mobilizes his army. And we see this all over the Old Testament in the Bible and all throughout world history. Happens time and time again. Here comes this powerful force. And he comes against this little city. This is a no-brainer of a win. No one assessed the city and thought they stood a chance. The residents of the city are no doubt scared to death. Can you imagine? They are about to be invaded, and it's not going to be much of a fight, and they're going to be quickly defeated. But in this city, there dwelt a poor man. And we specifically know that because that's how Psalm describes him. He's poor. He was little known. There were no great accomplishments to his name. He worked hard to scrape by, and he barely made a living. But this poor man had something that no one else had. Not anyone else in the little city, not anyone else in the big city, certainly not what the big, bully king had. This little poor man had wisdom. And would you believe that during the the siege, this poor, no-name guy comes up with an idea and it saves everyone in the city. It saves their lives, it saves their families, their livelihood, their dignity. Everything is saved because of his idea. This powerful monarch with a powerful army is not able to defeat them because of this man. And the people in the city go back to work. And life once more becomes what it was, and no one remembers the wise man. He was never rewarded, he was never recognized, he was never memorialized. Why? For this reason alone, he was poor. If he had been wealthy, if he had a big personality, perhaps if he was likable and well-known, then maybe he would have been remembered and memorialized. There are two ways to look at this story. And the first is this, it stinks to be poor. (laughs) But the second is this, it's really good to be wise. And there's this principle here. If you have to choose between wisdom and other things, like if those are your choices in life, choose wisdom. Chance happens to everyone. Some people in the right place at the right time. They get the right job. They get the right whatever. And life just falls out and blesses them. And some people work hard and do all the right things. and, and, And life's just hard for them. But what you're pursuing and what you're giving your energy and what you're giving your time to matters. And Solomon is saying wisdom is better. All those wealthy, rich, powerful men would be dead if it wasn't for him. And he still had his life. And he still had his home. And he still had his his city, and everyone benefited as a result. And consider the difference that he made, the lives he saved, the impact he had remained, regardless of the recognition and remembrance that never happened. He still had fruit. The big shot king was known and he was revered. The poor wise man was forgotten and discarded. Okay, but question, who mattered? Who had significance? Who, who in eternity was blessed? The valuable life is not the big life. The valuable life, Solomon is saying, is the one who saves other people. The one who ministers. The one who makes a difference. The poor man that was unlucky and favor hadn't smiled on him, still made a big splash. A bigger one than the man who received all the power and all the wealth. The lucky and successful king made little difference. And sometimes, sometimes, we have to make a choice of what we're going to pursue. What we're going to fantasize about. We're gonna spend our time, our mental processes, going after, whether or not we're gonna live above the sun or beneath it. Are you trying to live big, or are you trying to live wise? Because those things aren't the same. Are you building a big life, or are you making a big difference? See, you could spend your whole life quietly living wisely, and you may feel like you're in obscurity, But in God's economy, if you are living with eternal values and you're serving people and you're pleasing to him, you will make a more significant eternal difference than a loud, rich, successful fool that everybody knows. See, an obscure life lived of wisdom has a far greater impact than a powerful life lived with foolishness. Job 32.9, Job said great men are not always wise. Those who have power, those who have the money, those who we look at and go, wow, they, they've got it together. I need to get advice from them. He says, they're not always wise. And he says, and neither do the age understand judgment. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're wise. Society honors wealth, attractiveness, and success above wisdom. But influence is always more valuable than material success. And Solomon is saying this, if you have to choose between the two, in your mind, the things you pursue, if God's going to bless you and a chance and it's going to happen to you, good. He says, if it's not, then you can't control it anyway. You do what's right and you pursue what's wise. That is worth pursuing. That is what will pay off. That is what will make a difference in this life and in the one to come. I think there's this challenge tonight to make that choice and that decision, to choose wisdom over other things. But I think there's another challenge here, and it's simply this. We need to learn to be receptive to the wisdom in our life regardless of its source. See, Jesus was rejected in part. Why? Well, because he too was poor. Didn't have a place to lay his head. Born to a poor, poor, poor man and a poor, poor, poor wife. Couldn't get any more poor in a poor, poor, poor city, and he chose that. And he chose that life. And I'm not saying that's a life you and I should choose. But to miss his message because he's poor. And the wisdom he offers is to miss everything in life and eternity. And, and the point is this. Wisdom can and often does come from the most humble of origins. And we need to pay attention to its voice in our lives. Sometimes, my nine-year-old son has a ton more wisdom than I do. And yours might too. Wisdom can come from children. It can come from adults. It can come from everyone in between. And we need to pay attention to it and not judge people too quickly because of their age and not judge people too quickly because of their material success and not judge people too quickly because of their looks or their beauty or their outward trappings. We be careful. This was a poor man who saved a city, and there might be someone in your life who speaks wisdom to you, and if you're not paying attention, and if you're not careful, you may miss a life-saving lesson. Be receptive to wisdom in your life regardless of its source. It is in your best interest to listen, to acknowledge, and to value the things that wise people say. Verse 17, look there with me. It says, the words of wise men are heard in quiet... Wise people don't yell. They don't shout. They don't have all the glimmer and the glamour. You have to listen to them. You have to seek them out. You have to go to that source many times. Wisdom is gleaned from those who will ask questions and listen in quiet. Then the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Those who are the loudest, those who have the biggest platforms, often are those who have little to say. And we need to be careful with whom we listen to. This king, this monarch, was loud, but he was undone. Boy, he was a show-off, he was a braggart, he was a big mouth, and he was undone by the wisdom of a poor, overlooked man. And here's the whole point of the story, verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. You have wisdom, you can defeat any enemy. It's better. It's a lot better. Pay attention to the wisdom in your life, regardless of its source. And then I would say this third tonight. Protect the wisdom in your life. There's an ending to the chapter that almost seems like it doesn't fit. And and, and, and Solomon's going to take this idea that he ends with in chapter 9, and he's going to run with it into chapter 10, and he's going to really expound it even more about folly. But he he closes out this chapter before he transitions his thinking. And he simply says, but one sinner can destroy much good. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. One bad apple causes other apples to go bad. One complaining person can infect an otherwise happy group of people. One negative comment can ruin someone's good day. A rash word, a hasty decision A foolish pleasure, an angry outburst, and all of a sudden, all of this good is so quickly destroyed. There is a tipping point to negative things that we don't see. So I would challenge you with this tonight. Protect your own wisdom. The wisdom God's given to you, protect it. Be careful of your influences in your life. The people who you associate the most with, People that, are, that, that have influence in you, with you, be careful with them. Guard that. Make sure there are wise people and helpful people. The media that you consume, your own thoughts. Protect your wisdom. Guard it. It's better that you pursue that over other things. Protect the sources where you find wisdom from. Here is this man who saved the city and no doubt could have done so much more for it, and he was overlooked. How much more did he have to offer? How much more was left on the table? And in in your life, protect those people. Don't take the wise men in your life for granted. If it's a parent, if it's a sibling, a friend, a, a leader, a ministry person, tell them thank you. Guard those relationships, protect them. You don't want that source of wisdom to dry up. And like Pastor, my last page of notes is completely gone, and it's not on the front row, so I don't know where it's at. (laughs) We're out of time anyway. Um, Let's be careful uh, with the wisdom in our life. Let's choose it over other things. Chance is going to happen. You can't control it. And so let's choose what's good and right. We, we can't control sometimes our economic status. We can't control our genetics. There are things we can do to help ourselves and we should do those things that are wise. Let's pursue wisdom and let's reap the benefits from it. Let me ask you to stand tonight if you would. Father, I pray that you'd help us with this thought tonight.